This is why I really love the, the verse that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it has the power to save. Welcome to She Leads, a podcast about leadership, faith, and relationships. I'm your host, Thea, and I'm so glad that you tuned in. Be sure to send your comments, your feedback, and your questions to sheleadscomments at gmail.com. And check out the She Leads website in the show notes to learn more about the She Leads story, as well as support the show and even buy some merch. I'm uh, thrilled to welcome back Sarah Stone, my guest today. Sarah, why don't you reintroduce yourself and then share with us what are you consuming today? What are you a fan of right now? Zooming. Okay, so I'm Sarah Stone. I'm the executive director for Theology on Tap. Um, I am consuming, first of all, I'm a podcast girl. I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, if I'm getting ready to teach about something, uh, like a Bible passage or something, I will listen to some, what some other people think about that, so sermons and stuff. But I listen to a lot of political podcasts. I won't like alienate half of the audience by saying which team I'm on, though if you listen between the lines, you can probably figure it out. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and then I'm reading a book, a fiction book that my friend wrote. So, mm. yeah, it's part of a trilogy. It's a Holy Grail quest kind of thing with a female lead, and it's awesome. So, super yeah. fun. Shout out to Christine Galeb. She wrote it, and super you should fun. read it too. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Um, I had a, another podcaster on a couple weeks ago, and she gave this stat that though the podcast space is dominated by male voices, mm-hmm. women are actually top consumers mm-hmm. of podcasts. And I was like, well, we have got to switch this around. If we're consuming it, let's keep making them, you know, like so we know what we want. My daughter recently, uh, she's a teenager and she likes, uh, I don't know, learning about sort of dark and spooky things. And so she had a book about, um, true crime. And it was talking about how women like far surpass men in listening to podcasts, which a lot of podcasts are about true crime, Mm -hmm. but it's because they like sort of innately know they're more likely to be the victims of that. So they're wanting to bone up on like, okay, if this happens, if this shadow moves, whatever, I know to do this, Mm -hmm. which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. Well, I would argue the same, like for me, listen to a lot of leadership podcasts, which are dominated by male voices, especially when it comes to faith and leadership. And it's like, well, yeah, I got to learn from these guys. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it longer than me. They know the tricks. I got to get in there. Yeah, I yeah. got to figure it out. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I love it. All right, let's jump in. Yeah. So Theology on Tap, give us a real quick brief, just in case someone's tuning in for the first time, and then yeah. talk to me about some of your best and most difficult uh, experiences there. Yeah. Theology on Tap is a space where we invite believers and the spiritually curious to explore big questions of life and faith. So we have events every month where people get to come and listen to speakers and panelists and um, text in their own questions about whatever spicy topic we're talking about. All the topics have to do with faith, religion, the Bible, God, all of that kind of stuff and how it interacts with each other. Um, And we do that all over good craft beer and good food. Um, So that's kind of what we do. And then we have follow-up conversations and groups you can be a part of. But Best and worst, or some highs and lows. Um, when we started, uh, we so now our leadership team is made up of lots of different denominations. So like Baptist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Methodist, on and on, right? Um, but when we started, somehow we were all Presbyterian and Methodist, and that was fine because we had enough that we could kind of spar and disagree about. But our second ever or third ever, I can't remember, <laughs> event was in February. So we decided that our topic would be love, which is so insanely broad. Like, what were we thinking? <laughs> love? Like, why not just say everything? Our topic yeah. is everything. 
And then somehow I didn't realize until we were mid event that the entire panel that people were texting their questions into were like 30 year old white men married. Oh my gosh. And it was just this like, what have I done? I've made a terrible mistake because the bulk of the people in our audience were single. So like, forget the fact that they're, um, you know, white, same age, same, but they're married and they're up there talking about how much they love their wives and, uh, and people are texting in, this isn't a question, but what is up with this panel, you know? And, um, it was really kind of embarrassing. So then I, as the like token single person up there kept having to be like, well, for myself, and then it felt like it was a dating show. Like, and if you like what you heard, fellas, form a line, you know? Anyway, so that was probably yeah. one of our worst. I mean, we laugh about it now, and we survived, and people came back probably because of beer. Yeah. Um, some of the better ones, honestly, the more spicy the topic, the better, because it really forces you to think. It really forces you to engage with a um, perspective that's not yours, because we get really good, thoughtful people yeah. to, to speak on it. So... I mean, we did one right before COVID. We did one on homosexuality. What does the Bible or what does God say about homosexuality? And everyone's like, oh, it's going to be so scary. And everyone's, it was quite lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, both, we had a, a gay pastor and a kind of takes the traditional stance pastor and professor that, um, you know, both spoke and then they were part of the panel afterwards. And um, and the topic was spicy, but they were so charitable to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and both really spoke about what they believe to be really true about it and that it is important, and yet people disagree. That was a good one. Another good one was about hell. I know these are like the spiciest topics, but um, if you believe that there is life beyond this life, some kind of eternal life, some kind of heaven and hell, man, people define that really differently, Um, and we've done multiple events on both of those, but if you believe they're true, then there might be such a thing as hell, that we don't really know a lot about that from the Bible. So people think of it, about it differently. And we had a, a guy named Chris Date, who's up in the Pacific Northwest, who is kind of the leading voice right now on one of the views of hell. But he came and he kind of expounded on what the views are, where he lands. And then in the panel, I always stack our panel with people that disagree. So say we did one on faith and politics. I'm going to have like two Republicans, two Democrats, a libertarian, and I don't know, an anarchist in there, something, right? <laughs> so that we have every perspective. Um, and so for this one, I had people all along the perspective of um, how they view hell. Does it exist? Does it not? What's it like? Who goes there? How do you avoid going there? That's an important question. Um, and at one point we had one of the guys who's more traditional. His name is Juan Carlos Martinez. We love him. Uh, he's been on our show and our program several times. And Chris sparring, and it was kind of adorable because they were sparring with like Bible verses, like what about Isaiah? What about? Um, and I just let it go on for a minute because it was the perfect amount of charitable disagreement mm. because it was spicy, it was interesting. No one was, you know, doing like ad hominem personal attacks. Nobody was being ugly and raising their voice, but they were passionate and they stood with conviction. So that was one of my favorites, mm. and uh, my mind was maybe a little bit changed on that one. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. What have you learned from these difficult yeah. conversations? I heard somebody say a long time ago, and I'm sure it was someone very famous, like Augustine or something, but I don't know who said it, that they're pretty sure that at any given point, they're wrong about 30% of their theology. They just don't know which 30%. Mm. Um, I'd like to think it's not 30% I'm wrong about because I think about it a lot and study it a lot, but... I know I'm wrong about something. Mm. And being in a space with really smart, thoughtful people talking about this sort of other side of things, that's in quotes if you're just listening, 
um, it forces me to realize that some things I'm holding too tightly and some things I need to hold more tightly. Mm. Like I've said, oh, it's not a big deal. And then to the Lord, it is a big deal. Like scripture says there are some things that our world today are like, eh, for instance, like do whatever you want with your body. You know, you may, it's you do you, YOLO, all of that, treat yourself, all of that. But the Bible says what we do with our body is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And God cares about the body so much so he came in bodily form. Like, mm-hmm. so those kinds of things are challenging in both directions. Yeah. I don't even know if I really answered your question. That's I'm so great. sorry. No, yeah. No, I um, think you really did because um, I actually hold to the same kind of ideas. Like, I actually need to be in the room often with people I disagree with. Yeah. Um, often it can maybe just really sharpen my convictions. Like, no, I am really sure right now that this is how I believe about this, but more so and probably better for me is when it makes me go, huh? Yeah. Well, I never thought about it that way. And you know what? I don't know how to reconcile those, those, those scriptures or those Mm -hmm. verses or this experience or your experience. And even this idea of like, oh, wow, you're getting something totally different from that than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when, we're, we're, when we refuse to be in relationship or same room or kind of even be willing to dive into these topics, well, then we aren't forced to grow, even yeah. if it's just to underline what we believe. I think it's something such a tragedy that's happened, and I think in our world today is like religion and politics are off the table. Right. And while there's... It makes it really boring out there. One, but then two, like even with my own family... Mm-hmm. We can't talk about these really important things that often do guide the decisions yeah. that I'm making in my life. We can't even have an, like, we can't love each other enough to be like, oh, wow, I didn't know you thought like that, or that's nowhere where I'm at. Well, I think it also prompts you to, um, we talked in the last episode about curiosity. I think the more you have these kinds of conversations, the more you're likely to, when you run into a sticky wicket, as my dad used to say, something that seems off to you, maybe it's like a passage in scripture that you're like, oh, that seems weird. If you're not engaging in this kind of stuff, your, you know, your inclination might be to just throw it out be like, well, that probably got in there by accident or I don't know it. So I'm not going to think about it. But if you're having these kinds of conversations, your go to is going to be, okay, let me dig in. Let me do some research. Let me talk to my friends on either side of whatever this mm-hmm. is and ask them, ask my friends who know Greek, you know, all that kind of stuff and really learn it. And what ends up happening almost every time this has happened to me, thinking about one verse in particular a few years ago, I was like, fine, I'm going to finally figure out what this dumb verse means. It is so weird. Uh, it was the one about women being saved through childbirth. Like, what the heck? That cannot mean what it sounds like it means. Spoiler, it doesn't. But... Um, did a bunch of digging, and then the answer to what it really means was so rich and so robust and so more meaningful about how God works in salvation, how he works through the course of all of time and space to love people. Ooh, it was so good. So that kind of tendency, I think, gets it's like a skill that gets honed by having these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that that is um, so rich that you're able to actually even share like, you know, particular this one verse that was bothering me and I couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. And and how when you were willing to dig deeper and, and engage those maybe alternate or other, you know, views that it led you to something new. That's something I was kind of dealing with last year, again, with our big issue in the United Methodist Church was yeah. that I am not threatened because someone thinks differently. Yeah. I'm actually, I want to lean in. I want to mm-hmm. ask more. I'm like, where'd you get that? And maybe, maybe you'll, you'll change my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even, my goal isn't to change yours, but like, wow, let's, let's have a richer and and more real conversations. And again, you know, after our schism, it's like, 
I'm not forced to be in relationship with those people anymore. I'm mm-hmm. not forced to be at the table or work with them mm. and to be able to have those difficult conversations that again, at minimum are going to deepen my convictions. Right. If this is really what I believe, how do I support it? How do I back it up? How do I reconcile this yeah. scripture that looks to suggest something different or tradition, right? Yeah. I mean, not just a traditionalist, but like actual 2000 yeah. years of church history. Yeah. How do I deal with that? And, and, and really forcing me to do that. And I feel like that that's something that's really important. I remember telling an employer uh, several years ago, I think we disagree on this, mm-hmm. but I do not think that means we can't work together yeah. and do something great. Well, if we really believe what we say, we believe then um, we believe that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is a term that sounds so churchy and old school. But if you really unpack it and think about it, isn't that what everyone's hungry for? Mm. To have family, mm. to be known, to be loved. And so when I'm, I say forced, I'm not forced. It's like my great joy to be among my leadership team. When they're saying things, I think, man, we could not think about that more differently. But I'm going to share a beer with you and I love mm. you and you're making me better and you're my brother my brother? Wow. That's just, I mean, I love my job. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. It, would you say that that's what you're, you're hoping for others to gain? Is that, I mean, why would you do more than just maybe attend right. theology on tap? Why would you be the one to bring this to other people? What are you hoping others would gain? Um, well, one to just be more thoughtful, to think about what they really believe. Um, to let that affect their life. And obviously I would love them to then go and tell others. Um, Not all about the sticky wicket stuff, right? You don't start with, hey, I have some views on hell, but just um, who is Jesus? How has he changed your life? What's your story? Um, So that's why I think people should come. But um, I also do think it's it's a space that can remind us of true things that we aren't necessarily gaining at church. I I love the local church, so I don't want you to hear me say like, church, bad, theology on tap, good. but I do think there's some things we can do there. We can explore relationships with people that, I mean, I've already said this, but believe very different things, yeah. learn from them, grow from them, realize where we're wrong. Um, and that now I'm just a resounding gong here saying the same thing over and over again. But I just think it's so beautiful to be able to do that. I um, We had a question that came in at our recent um, fundraiser. I mentioned this in the last episode about can a... What, where I stand, which is on the sort of reform side of theology, if you don't know what that means, that's totally fine. But it's sort of one way of thinking about how salvation works. Could I be friends with a Wesleyan slash Methodist slash Arminian, which is just another way of thinking about how salvation works? And the friend and fellow leadership team member who is a Methodist pastor was up on the panel and we both just chuckled and then got to tell the story of our friendship, which is how in the world would we have ever known each other or been friends if it weren't for something like this? And now she's one of my dearest friends. Mm-hmm. I so value what she says. She can help change my mind on things and has mm-hmm. and vice versa. I hope if you're listening, start changing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really wonderful. And I think I'm off topic and I'm no, sorry. You're again. fine. You're fine. What, what I was thinking about when you were talking was also this opportunity for people to figure out what they do believe. Mm-hmm. Because I find that that's maybe a little bit more common, even in the local church. Yep. Lifetime Christians mm-hmm. and churchgoers who, yep. it's not that they don't know what they believe, but they don't know how to articulate it. Um, I've asked parents before, why is church important to you? Why is it important to you that your kids are here? Why is faith important? How is faith a part of your family? Yeah. And 
for me as you know, especially as a family pastor at the time, like these felt like kind of basic questions. Like, let me get your, let me get your baseline. Like, where are you at in this? Yeah. And just the kind of feeling very stumped by those questions. Like, why am I coming to church? Yeah. How, why is my faith important? Why is it, why is it important for me that my children would have this faith too? You said something interesting. You said, um, I don't think it's just that they, it's not that they don't know what they believe, but they can't articulate it. And I think that's sometimes true. And sometimes I think it's that they actually don't know what they believe Mm -hmm. because especially, um, generationally, this might be a little bit different, but people tend to just sort of swallow what's told to them. Now we're in a, in an age where people are deconstructing everything, but, um, and so I, I don't know if you know the apologist Jay Werner Wallace. He's the cold case Christianity guy. Great book, great speaker. But he talks about how he'll ask people the question, why are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. And the answers that he gets almost always are things like, because my parents are. What? Like, that's insane to say that you believe in something that's bigger than this whole life because your mom and dad said so. Did they not ever get anything wrong? Or people will say, um, because I love the community, which is a great answer. I love the Christian community. But cults are a community and that's really not a great place to be. So, I mean, there are all these answers people give where something, I mean, it's what's very rare, but probably makes more sense is to say, I'm a Christian because it's true. And I believe that Jesus really is who he said he was. And I believe that he is going to walk with me through all the pain of this life and usher me into the next. I believe that he brings hope. And, you know, you didn't ask this question. It's not on the sheet, but um, I've had a lot of suffering in my life. Um, in 2020, we buried my brother, um, who had, he died at age 37. I gave him my stem cells. It was just the whole thing. It was awful and tragic. And, um, there have been various things like that in my life that should have undone me, but they didn't undone. Yeah, I said that right. Um, but they didn't because there is this just steady hum, this kind of undercurrent of peace that cannot be explained by anything other than knowing Christ. That right there, that's why people are Christians or ought to be. If you're not, come talk to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want everybody to know that. And so I don't think it's just that people can't articulate it. I think it's sometimes that they actually don't even yet believe it. So this is, I mean, I'm really passionate about saying like, let's just take this down to the studs. Let's, maybe none of this is real. Let's start from what do you believe at all? Do you think there's maybe any kind of higher power out there? Ooh, let's explore what that higher power might be like, mm-hmm. you know? Go from there. And what are you using to base that on? Ooh, yeah. Right? So we have a rule in my house, me and my husband, we're not allowed to Google answers to questions that we have. That's a terrible rule. We have to like talk it out (laughs) and argue it out. And why have you come to that? Right? Because we tend to disagree on a lot of things. You're not allowed to cheat. You know? And so, yeah, like, no, I think it was, you know, I think this, I think the um, Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year because I remember that weird call and I get to like, you know, support my claim. There you go. We don't get to just Google it. Yeah. But I think the same thing, you know, when it comes to faith, okay, and what makes you believe that? Right. And I know for me, thank you for sharing. That was just really beautiful and authentic that you just um, felt led to believe that, you know, and there was, there was been a time where people have questioned that if I and people I associate with actually believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I do Mm -hmm. because I've been resurrected. Ooh, girl. I have felt it and multiple times. And so for me to read in my gospels that not only would Jesus pull multiple people out of death into new life, but then experience it for himself and promise that for me. 
there's nothing that tells me that that's not true. I don't care what you say. I don't mm. care who said it. Mm. I know because yeah. I have experienced it. And I'm not only speaking to my, I've seen it in other people as well. And so this God of the living is still resurrecting people, right? Stones are still being rolled away. And so there's nothing that can make me not believe that because I've experienced it mm. and it's backed up. And, you know, I have all of this evidence. You didn't even have to Google it. I didn't have to Google it. And it's <laughs> and I wasn't raised in the church. So it's not something that someone told okay. me. Yeah. To believe. Yeah. Um, I've come to this mm-hmm. through the work, right? And and I think that that's just so um, courageous of you to create these spaces where people can do that work. You know, again, the um, let's talk dinosaurs, right? Like the one that <laughs> I was at with you with science and and the, okay, well, and how long has the Earth been here and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Okay. Well, what makes you believe these things? Right. And and what happens if you don't? Yeah. And what happens to this? And how does that affect? And just being willing to like, um, what I would say, it's, it's not, it's not poking holes in, in maybe your beliefs, but it's really like deepening the foundation, mm-hmm. making them stronger. Those so, two things can be the same sometimes. Yeah. So that when your 37 year old brother mm-hmm. passes away that you don't say none of this matters. Right. Right. That there is something in you that says, yeah, even in this tragedy, mm-hmm. even in this awful there is still a God of love and peace and goodness working yeah. for me and for you. Yeah. Even when you don't know it. Um, what a what a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. Where do you find the courage? So just because you believe that doesn't mean that uh, lots of people might believe that, but not, might not have the courage to do what you do. Where do you find that courage? Where do you where do you get the the bravery to embark on this type of work? Uh, regularly. Okay. I'm like laughing internally because I am the least brave person I know. In fact, the only reason I even launched this thing as a nonprofit is because it was like everything else was pulled away. I am Mm. risk averse. I do not think of myself as brave or courageous at all, but here's what I do know. This is why I really love the, the verse that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it has the power to save. Um, so it's not about being brave. It's about being desperate for everyone that I know to have the best everything, the best life now, the best life into eternity. I don't want anybody to not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's all about bravery or courage. I know that's like the title of the thing, so I should say it's a brave reach. But um, but it's not, uh, it's not about bravery. It's about truth. I want people to know it's true. And it's not just, this is not just the case in, you know, spiritual matters. Like if I, if my daughter is sick and someone's like, oh, use this. I shouldn't say essential oil. That's not nice. But if someone gives me some like woo-woo thing and then a doctor's like, this has been proven to work and I have those two choices, well, I'm going to give her the one that's going to save her life. Duh. Why would I not do that on an even bigger plane than just a sickness, right? Why would I not do that on an eternal plane where souls are on the line? Like, yes. So it's not about bravery. It's about truth. I want people to know it's true. I want them to discover it for themselves in a way that they'll own it and really keep it, not just swallow what someone else said from the pulpit or in their home because they're listening to lots of different perspectives, dig in around the edges of it, and they can walk away and go, okay, I'd never really thought about hell before, and I don't know exactly which view I'm in, but I think it might exist. And if it does exist, what does that mean about how I live my life and who I give my allegiance to and who's king over my life? There you go. So There you go. Yeah. So you've mentioned um, that you love the local church. Yeah. And you're not saying leave the church and come to theology on tap. We want it to go the reverse way. But come how, to TOT and then church. Yeah. So how might the church 
um, today learn from this willingness to embark on these conversations that, in your words, get, can get spicy? Yeah, I do use that word a lot. Um, where can they learn from this? I think I was part of a congregation at one point where the pastor did this thing where he would preach a sermon and then he would open it up for Q&A afterwards. Um, I think the more that people come and see spaces like ours and how they work and that, you know, this is where people really have follow-up questions, if they can bring just a little bit of that into the church. And just it could be a Sunday school where it's like an open Q&A. It could be a Sunday school on spicy topics or topics that are like not your mama's Christianity kind of thing. Um, but opening up for questions. Mm-hmm. Um, churches, I think, some churches do this really well. There's some churches in Houston I think do this really, really well. But then there's some that don't. It's just a we say things from the front. But yes, I think asking more questions, allowing people to ask questions, not being afraid. Um, if you don't know the answer, that's another one, right? Um, I have no problem. In fact, on the way here, I gave myself a little pep talk. If she asked me something I don't know, just say you don't know because that's okay. But so far, you have been very nice and asked me all things I do know. Um, but that's something else I think the church can can get comfortable with is we don't know, but give us a couple of weeks. I'm going to dig in, find out, and get back to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, But also, while I'm here, I think churches should give us money. Um, And I'm sort of joking, but what I mean is I think that churches should also invest in Mm. programs that are helping people on the fringes that aren't yet ready to come to church. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love two things you said. I really think think more conversations Mm -hmm. in a Sunday morning um, could be helpful. Mm Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, um, we live in an interactive society Yep, sure where do. we get to interact with most of the content that we consume comment in some TikTok, sort of way. Comment on, yes. You know, and yeah. so how do we, how do we embrace that as a, as a mm-hmm. church and create more interactive spaces? Also, people want to participate. They want to be a part of, mm-hmm. um, and that's not just by opening the door. They yeah. want to really, they really want to be a part of it and engage. And that I would argue that their space, um, their questions are welcome. Yeah no matter what they are. Yeah. Um, I also would firmly agree, you know, just saying, I don't know, like that is, yeah. the, I think as a, as a church leader, it's, I think that's really powerful mm-hmm. for my people to hear that. Um, again, back to family ministry, I have so many parents who are like, well, I don't want to teach my kid the Bible because I don't know it. I'm like, that's okay. Let's learn it together. But also you should start learning. Let's learn yes. it together. Yes. And actually that's what I would find is that when mm-hmm. I would ask parents to come and teach, we call it, you know, during the, during the message, the kids portion, like, Oh, I didn't know that story. I didn't mm-hmm. know like that. Mm-hmm. So they were able to uh, to learn as they were teaching their children, right? Like, yeah. let's grow alongside each yeah. other. And kind of that same idea, if I'm your pastor, say, I don't know. Let's yeah. figure this out. Let's, yeah. let's dive. Can, would you meet me, for, me for coffee? Let's have this conversation. Teach me. Yeah. Let's learn together. Um, I think that could be really great. I was just going to say, sure. this is really so cheesy, and I hope it's safe for radio. But I saw a meme the other day that said, oh, goodness, you can cut this out if you want to. Um, it said... Hundreds of years from now, people are not going to know the difference between a butt dial and a booty call. <laughs> and this yeah. is why we don't know what the Bible means. Yeah. And I was like, that's low-key brilliant because yeah. those two things mean very different things, but they have similar words. Both have mm-hmm. a, a little hiney and both have something with a phone. Yeah, um, exactly. But, so, of course, we do not understand everything in the Bible. Of course, we don't. It was written in a different languages, written in a different time to a different audience, with different customs, rituals, culture, my goodness, the fact that we know anything about the Bible is truly a wonder. So this is why I don't think anyone needs to be afraid to say, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to need a minute on that one, you know, yeah. because we're doing kind of a Herculean thing here to try to mm-hmm. piece it all together. I do think, though, that it's knowable. Mm-hmm. 
because God is knowable and he wants us to know him. So I don't think it's like a, well, I guess we'll just pack it up and never know what that verse means. It's like, no, 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 do a little bit of work. Yeah. Well, that makes me think of my favorite way to describe God is I I do not believe that God is male, but I believe God is a gentleman, meaning God will never push God's self, but always be open if we're willing to come at it. Right. And so that kind of like, yeah, here it is. But you need to be engaged. Yeah. Back to that. You need to participate. You need to be, you know, involved here because I also believe God is after relationship. Yeah. God's own existence is relational. And so that there's that piece of it too. And so, and that, and that God is offering that to us mm-hmm. because it is in our relationships that the most joy and beauty and love can come from. And yeah. so, um, that God is also continually offering that by like, mm-hmm. Hey, you got to take a step too. Yeah. It's not me just showing up, pouring out all the miracles. You gotta, <laughs> you know, you gotta come, you gotta be a part of this. You gotta be willing to yeah. receive it too. Yeah. So, um, Talk to the faith leaders, talk to your your pastor colleagues and friends, um, or just those who are in situations where they are leading people of faith. What is the first next step we can do to start to be more open to these type of courageous conversations? Um, well, I kind of already said it, but I'll just be more pointed. I think you should ask the people in your congregations what their questions are. That's it. Like, start asking make a website or a piece of paper people put into the collection plate instead of their, or maybe in addition to their tithe and offering, you know, um, what are you curious about? What's a question you would ask if we didn't know who you were? Like, don't put your name on it. You know, Mm -hmm. the kind of thing that I talked about in the last episode of somebody not knowing what the old Testament is, Mm -hmm. or they don't know what we mean when we say the word gospel Mm -hmm. or, I mean, a million of things. And that's before you even get to the stuff that we might consider tricky because we've been doing this a while. What are those questions? Are they culture war questions? Are they mm. tricky Bible passage questions? Are they theological? Are they philosophical? Are they scientific? Um, and just get those questions out there and then start to think about how you might answer them. Maybe it's a Sunday school class. Maybe it's Q&A after the sermon. Mm. Um, maybe it's one-on-one or small group conversations where we say, okay, for the next season, we're going to be tackling what happens after you die mm-hmm. or can science and faith coexist or, um, you know, mm-hmm. anything. That would be my first thing is ask what the questions are. Because um, I think I mentioned this at the event you came to. One of my friends who's an apologist, which is another fancy word for someone that just explains why Christianity is true, said that when he was little, he started asking questions. One of the questions was, what about dinosaur bones? Because I guess he went to a church that the timeline didn't really work with what science tells us. And his teacher, his Sunday school teacher, told him that – God, that the devil buried fake bones to like throw us off. What in the actual fill in the word, what is that? That's insanity that someone would tell that to a kid. First of all, maybe they believed it. That's even worse. If they didn't believe it, then they were lying. I mean, it is so crazy. How much different would the church be if we said, Man, that is such a good question. It is way above my pay grade because I just got volunteered to do the Sunday school this morning and I don't know. But I'm going to go ask our head pastor. I'm going to do some research and let's talk. Let's do a whole thing about dinosaurs Mm -hmm. next semester and we'll unpack them. And maybe I'll say this one last thing. I think it is okay for churches to say, and we do this at Theology on Tap, here are the multiple views on this Mm -hmm. thing, right? This is a great one. Age of the earth, all that kind of There are people that believe this, this, and this. And here's where they get that from the Bible and from science. And now you can decide which where, you know, where you land. Yep. Yep. I love that. I love it. It's actually something I I firmly love about the United Methodist Church. We say, hey, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Mm -hmm. And whatever way you're looking at it, you're welcome here. 
Yeah. You're welcome here. You know, even if we have a, this is our official stance, right? Yeah. You with a different idea, you're welcome here. Um, I always think about, it's like, you know, when Coca-Cola is the official sponsors at the Olympics, it doesn't mean you're not allowed to drink a Pepsi. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not even that they're not sold there. It might be harder to find them, but you can get a Pepsi, you know? Yeah. And so like this reality of like, hey, we're going to, this is where we stand. This is our view of it. And wherever you are, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, what I, again, what I love about the United Measures, like bring your whole brain. Yes. We want your whole brain. Yeah. We want you to come with your questions and logic and reasoning and your own experience and alongside scripture and tradition, yeah. like all of that. Right? Well, like, Jesus said to love the Lord, your God, with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. So I think he very much wants us to engage our minds. I will say one last thing about, you know, yes, we get together and we disagree on these things and we still love each other. And in some of them, it really, quite frankly, does not matter. For instance, what you believe about the end times, great. And it, and it might make you act a little bit differently on this side of things, but it, whether you believe in a tribulation or rapture, before, after, millennium, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, in some real sense, that does not affect your salvation, your relationship with the Lord. There are some things that are closer to that being essential, right? I mean, like, do you believe that God is, I mean, that Jesus was God? Well, that's really important. Do you believe that, um, you know, God has certain things that he wants us to do to show obedience to him in our relationship? Yeah. So that's another thing we get to tease out at Theology on Tap, which is nice. Like, what are the essentials? What are things that are really important but not quite essential? Mm. I mean, we can disagree about baptism. We probably do. And that's okay. That's like a have a beer, laugh about it kind of thing. But, you know, you can have a beer and maybe not laugh quite so hard about was Jesus God. Mm. We feel really strongly that he was. And yet, if you don't believe that, you are welcome here. We're going to challenge you to think about it differently. Mm. Maybe that's the the difference. I think all are welcome, but I don't ever want people to stay in a place where they're not recognizing what the Bible says about something. Mm. I don't know if that's yeah clear. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you again for being here. If people want to connect with you, um, find more information, where can they find you? Everything about Theology on Tap and all of the information about our leadership team is all on HoustonTOT.com. HoustonTOT.com. Awesome. And then you're on socials. They can yeah. find you there. We'll put those links in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope this was a um, inspiring and thought provoking episode for you. Um, once again, I'm open to your comments, your questions, your curiosity, your feedback, send those to she leads comments at gmail.com. And until then, I'll see you next time. Thanks. She leads is produced by me, Thea Curry Fusen, recorded and edited by Parallel Podcast Studios. All thoughts and expressions shared by the guests are theirs and not the organizations they're affiliated with. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week to continue the conversation on She Leads.